welcome to JudgeCast. My name is Jess Dunks, and joining me as always are my two wonderful co-hosts. First off, we have Brian Prilliman. Oh, it works so much better when you set us up. <laughs> instead of us having to figure instead, out who instead we of are. just like instead of just leaving it as like waiting. Yeah, hi, this is Brian. And we also have Brogan King. Hello, it's Brogan. Oh yeah, I like uh I like it. It's good. And yeah. uh and this is episode number one hundred and eighty one of JudgeCast. Uh I'm still shocked that we are this far this many episodes in. Uh it's crazy to me. Um and today we are going to be talking about uh, convention magic, uh, well, conventions as a whole as it relates to magic. And what I mean by that is when you go to a convention and they have magic there, how does that run? How does that work? And who runs it? And to talk about that with us today, uh, we're going to have our guest, Kyle Knudsen. Hello, I'm Kyle. Hey, Thank Kyle. You. Hey, buddy. And Kyle works for uh, a company called Cascade Games. Uh, that does a lot of conventions for Wizards of the Coast. Um, and uh, we were talking about it before the show, and I, I asked exactly what your title is. And you said you're the operations and logistics manager for, for Cascade Games? Yeah, which is real stuffy and formal. Yeah, what, what, what's, uh, <laughs> what, what does that actually mean? Like, what do you do for uh, so, for that company? Uh, my, my job basically is, uh, so there's a team of us in the office. There's, I think there's like, eight of us now, which is insane because before it was like three of us. Anyway, there's a team of us and we all get in a room and we all come up with these crazy ideas. Uh, and my job is to figure out how to make those things happen in the real world. That's such a, like an actual, there's all these job titles that are like, I coordinate whatever, but like, that's a very good actual realization of a very meaningless job title. Right. <laughs> like, like, I don't mean, I don't mean like your 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 job is meaningless. I mean, like you look at that and you're like, I have no idea what this person does. Is right, it, just, you're in the logistics division. Is there some way that you could get your acronym or your title to be like Shield? <laughs> uh, I I not actually put a lot of time into figuring out how to to uh, anachronize my title, if that's even a word, or turn it into an acronym. Uh, Although you'd think being the logistics guy, I'd be able to figure that out. I mean, you could just be the manager of logist of uh, manager of operations and logistics at events, and then you'd be mole. Mole. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be the mole of Cascade Games, though. No, I think I think you I must think be a... like Kyle Fury with the eye patch and stuff Ooh, like that. <laughs> um, also, uh, you're also a magic judge, is that right? I am. I am a, a level two magic judge. Uh, I've been a judge for. Uh, almost 11 years, I think, or we crossed 11 years in July. Wow. Uh, and, and have, have judged, uh, basically every level of organized play there is, there, there has been or, or exists currently. Uh, you know, I've done, I've, I've judged a pro tour because I hit level two right before they, uh, made it mostly exclusive L3s as judges. And I know now they've gone back a little bit on that, uh, for people who are testing or whatever, but, uh, so I've judged the Pro Tour. I've judged countless Grand Prix. Uh, I've I've put a lot of a lot of hours in com at convention centers with in Magic tournaments, as well as stuff at like store level, right? I've weekly F and M's, your Tuesday night drafts, stuff like that. Like I've got done it all. It's funny. You're actually I hadn't realized this until you started talking about it. Uh, you were one of the first judges I ever worked with at at uh, conveniently at a convention at PAX East 2014. Yes, that that was one of my one of not my first convention, uh, but uh, I think it was with TJ Collectibles was was organizing that year, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. That was that was right before I quit my day job and became a full time uh, organizer person. So so can you describe like I haven't my my experience with convention magic is is extremely limited. Uh, I, I worked one one local convention out in Savannah. Uh, and it had so few players, we ended up uh, broadcasting like cat videos on YouTube on the wall while sure. players were playing. So it was, it was it was extremely laid back and very very small. So can you just describe like you mentioned you mentioned packs um, and what other kind of conventions like what what is convention magic? So uh, this is going to vary wildly from uh for on, on based on, on lots of different criteria right there's there's 
conventions of all shapes and sizes. There's conventions of all different like categories, whether it's an anime con or a gaming convention or a pop culture show or uh, or any other kind of convention. Uh, and and based on who, who's organizing, right? Who's who is actually running the actual magic stuff? Uh, and but really, the it, what it comes down to is you're there. It's not that much different than than kind of being at an F and M where you're you're there. Players want to play magic. Uh, you're there to help give them the best, have, help them have the best possible time. Uh, you're it's usually everything's run at regular REL, so you're just just taking care of people and uh, and then depending on the the size of the event, sometimes there'll be there'll be stuff where there's just one tournament and you, you run it and you end it or one in the morning, one in the evening, or it could be as, as busy as uh, something like a, a PAX where you, we are running so many events that it's basically like being inside events at a Grand Prix. There's something happening every hour or every half an hour plus on-demand drafts and all sorts of craziness going on. Uh, and it's super chaotic. So to be clear, uh, uh, to people that may not know, PAX is uh, Penny Arcade Expo, right? Right. And that's Penny, Ar- Penny Arcade Expo is a is a primarily a video game or gaming uh, convention uh, started by the guys who do the Penny Arcade webcomic. Uh, there's now four Penny Arcade Expos uh, in the United States and one in Australia. Uh, that that they just they have doing the inaugural PAX Unplugged here in November in Philadelphia. Uh, but there's also one in Seattle that happens in the summertime, one in Boston that happens in the spring, and one in San Antonio that happens in the uh, wintertime. And PAX Unplugged is going to just be like tabletop things. It's not going to be video games. Yes, they're... they're oh, I get it. Unplugged. That's unplugged, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's their first foray into like PAX South is is much more tabletop focused than the other PAXs, but they still have all the video game stuff there as well. Uh, but PAX Unplugged is they're really like they're going all in, or it's just mostly is much more like a Gen Con. Uh, although they probably wouldn't be super excited at, about the <laughs> comparison, but it's uh, where there's just all tables and board games and card games and other stuff going on all weekend long. So even think- at, a, at a at a PAX where the focus is mostly video games you guys still have a lot of people coming to play magic oh yeah so uh it turns out that uh people who are fans of things are not just <laughs> fans of one thing and they just ignore <laughs> the rest of the world right um in fact most of the time what we find is most people don't go to a convention whether it be a pax or anything else with the intention of playing magic uh, they go and they happen to wander by the tabletop area as they're just like awestruck at all the cool things that are happening around them. And they're like, oh, my gosh, there's people playing magic here. Or uh, and so they they, uh, they get super excited. They come check out the event schedule or even even better from my perspective, at least uh, or my personal, you know, thing that I enjoy is when people go, oh, my gosh, I haven't played this in in a decade. Yeah, I, you know, that's that's the best for sure. I, I have all these cards in the shoebox under my bed and I didn't realize this was still a thing. And then they get super excited and jazzed about it and I uh, so, can't stop talking about it. So that's, that's something that's always kind of inter- interested me or, or rather I've, I've wondered about like conventions. I, I, I see conventions where people go and there's, you know, there's cosplayers and there's seminars and there's booths and stuff like that. And I've always kind of wondered, you know, like so, people really, you know, they go to the convention and then they go like, "Oh, well, I'm going to spend three hours in a draft or four hours in a draft, something like that." So that, I mean, that that so I mean, it looks like that it, happens. It it does. It's it's kind of interesting. Like people are generally just trying to figure out, you know, to put a, a businessy spin spin on it, a, a way to get the most value out of their batch purchase right they're <laughs> looking looking to like i paid for this badge of the hero hashtag value yeah uh and one thing that happens a lot at these shows is there's so much going on and there's all they're just bombarded with uh, you know people who have spent lots of you know companies who spent lots of money on their expensive booths and they're shiny and they're they're loud and there's screens they're doing all sorts of stuff uh and as you're walking through you're just sensory overload of, of stuff coming at you and sometimes it's kind of nice to do something that is regular and familiar and quiet comparatively. Uh, and 
allows you to kind of recharge in a way that doesn't that isn't just leave leaving right they don't you don't go and uh disengage with the show in, in its entirety you go and you and you do something that you're familiar with kind of recharge your battery so that you can go back and and see more of the show okay there's also the aspect of like yeah it's a big chunk out of your day but if you know like if you have friends are who are who are you don't see a whole lot who are in town for the same thing and you want to just be in a space where you can be around them and not have but also not have to constantly be socializing but also doing a thing it's a really good intersection of like let's do a thing together but not necessarily together it's also interesting because you have as as kyle mentioned you've got the players who say oh i didn't know this was still a thing i've got cards under my bed from 15 20 years ago for those players these magic tournaments are every bit as new and unique as everything else happening at this convention they're, they're not just an everyday or every week occurrence like FNM. Exactly. And, and one of the things that I, when I'm, when I'm running, when I'm working with, with judges and I'm running stuff at these shows, I try to remind them that, uh, and, and constantly reinforce that you don't know necessarily the experience level of the player you're dealing, you're dealing with, uh, that you're, that you're helping out. You don't know both from a, like, how much they've played magic standpoint or you know their experience with the show their experience with anything you might be the first and last person they actually interact with um and so you want to always be making sure you're giving everybody uh a positive experience and and you know the best customer service and you're gonna help them find because you might you never know when you might be igniting a passion in somebody uh for a thing they didn't realize they really liked the thing yeah exactly it's it's the thing about magic at a at a thing that isn't entirely a magic based event is they're not just there to play magic. So you can't take for granted that they're going to know everything about tournaments or know anything about what it's like playing. Like, how do I sign up for a draft? How do I do mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And what, what what's a mulligan? Right? right. Like there's there's aspects of tournament magic that that people because a lot of people that that don't aren't familiar they're used to playing on their kitchen table with their their friends at college, their friends at school, their family, their their local group or whatever, where they're not always uh, playing by the strictest tournament rules. And so you you encounter all kinds of of interesting things that come up at conventions that that are very unique to that kind of to that kind of magic event. And I wanted to mention I totally get the the need to recharge. To, I recently went to uh, DragonCon as an attendee. I was not working there, but I was there as an attendee. And I don't know how many hours out of my DragonCon weekend I spent back at our place cubing instead of doing convention things as just kind of the time to, to like, all right, I'm going to sit back and relax now. Yeah, um, I was there. Yeah, Brogan was there. We hung out. It was awesome. Beatle did not make it because he's a scrub. <laughs> There was a lot of uh, magic played outside of the convention, just playing magic at an Airbnb. It was good. <laughs> yeah, it was I'm, awesome. I've I've always wanted to go to Dragon Con. It always happens to fall on uh, the same weekend as PAX it West. Happens um, just coincidentally. It's not yeah. <laughs> not intended in any way. Um, uh, and, uh, and PAX is like my baby. Like I've I've there of all the PAXs that have ever happened, I have I have missed uh, either six or seven. I can't remember what it's That's wild. Like, I've been to almost all of the PAXs. Well, let me let me ask this: how how does a a PAX differ from say uh, like like the running and the the offerings differ from you know a side of you know the the side events of a of a GP or the on uh, demand so- events or the Swiss events? Like what's like what's the 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 the, the pacing the events offered? You know what's sure. the uh, the the biggest difference. Uh, between between the two uh, uh, is that the PAX schedule and the things that happen at PAX for Magic um, are really designed in a with the convention goer in mind. Right? There's far fewer constructed events. Um, we design events, and I and I'm, now I'm saying now I'm talking a little bit both from a judging standpoint and from an organizing standpoint because we we I've I have designed event schedules for both packs and a grand prix and grand prix in my capacity at cascade games so i i've 
<laughs> to answer this particular <laughs> question, you found the right person. But uh, how convenient. Uh, so we we design things at at like a PAX much shorter play experience, much uh, more much easier to just pick up if you don't have any cards, you don't have anything with you because most people aren't lugging around their standard and their modern deck when they're at a uh, convention, right? They don't, especially since most of the players, like I said before, didn't aren't there specifically to play Magic, so they at least that day they don't. Maybe they bring it back the next day. We always try and offer. For one kind of thing, but uh-huh. um, with the the things happen at a much faster pace, both for the player's standpoint and from a judging standpoint, uh, because we're we're trying not to take up too much of a player's time because they're, we're con- trying to be considerate of of their time at the show. There's so much other stuff going on, uh, and we don't want to commit them to you know. I sign up for this Magic tournament; it's a sealed event, uh, and so I have you know, 30 minutes to build my deck and four hour long rounds you know, with all the, you know, 50 minute rounds plus all the stuff in between. Uh, and suddenly I've spent half my day playing magic. Well, it's not necessarily a bad thing. We try and balance and give both options, right? There's some of our events are longer like that. Some of them are, are much shorter where we will do only one game uh, per match instead of a full, be- full best two out of three. So the, the entire tournament, the four round tournament condenses down to about an hour and a half. I love uh, options like that a lot where it's mm-hmm. like I get to I get my dose of playing magic for mm-hmm. two hours instead of five. So so you draft and play three 20 minute rounds or 30 minute rounds. Yeah. And then and okay. and, and the, the prizes are are the prizes are also very different from just from a player perspective. But that doesn't affect us, and, us and I, judging that much. I want to reiterate from my experience at conventions. Although very enfranchised Magic players might look at that and go, "How is that fun?" The players love it. They they really oh, yeah. do enjoy that. Just like quick, oh man, I got to play Magic and it was awesome feeling. Uh, and they're just they're just that of having a good time. Yeah one 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 of the the downsides about large tournament Magic is if you're playing the red deck and you finish your round in twenty minutes, uh, and you you know last round you ate. And the round before that, you you use the restroom in your in your free time, and now you're literally twiddling your thumbs for thirty minutes. Uh, that's not very fun at a Grand Prix or even in your local shop. But when you're at a convention and there's so much else to do, that that it amplifies that feel bad, uh, and it's one thing we try and try and minimize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so how is it how is it different? I know they were. Uh... Regular REL, you mentioned. But yep. other other than that, how is it different from larger competitive events? You kind of got into it a little bit with the, the tournament structure uh, and how you have different styles of events. But uh, from the perspective of like judging the events themselves or organizing a, a, a judge staff, how is that different from a larger event? Uh, so the 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 one of the bigger differences is that you the staff of people tend to be a lot smaller. Um, and for better or worse that, that, you know, it, it, it means that you're not getting to see necessarily as many people, but you get to have a much, uh, more, a much closer connection to the people who are there. Um, and you're often getting to interact and, and judge what is from an event from start to finish much more often over the course of a weekend, because it's not just, you know, Here's your event. You're going to see it from start to finish, or you're going to you're going to, and you're going to help out with these one or two things. A lot of times, uh, a judge at a convention over the course of a single day might actually judge four or five entire scheduled tournaments over the course of their time uh, during the day. And they're not uh, they're not really doing that alone, right? Like, like they're often doing it with. You mentioned you get more familiar with the tournament or the, the, the judges that you're working with. They might, they're often doing that with someone else, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's always, uh, at least for, at our shows, we are, uh, we bring in, uh, people. So there's obviously myself or, or if I'm not there, we will have some other, uh, usually a level two, very experienced level two or a level three, uh, helping guide the experience and, and, and helping because what we, we tend to have, uh, much more, many more level ones and fewer, less experienced judges 
with us at conventions, which I actually really like uh, from from my perspective because I constantly I love the idea that we get to go to a place uh, and bring in all of these in less experienced people and give them this huge like stim boost of of look at this opportunity experience. and all these things. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, uh, it's a great piece of experience as now one to be able to go work with other judges at an event without the, the overbearing feeling of, Oh, I needed to know the IPG before I got here. Um, it's a really great thing. And it sounds like the way you set it up and in, in, in the little experience I have at conventions with you guys, it sounds like the way you set it up is great for mentoring for L1s. Yes. Uh, I, I end up talking to and having conversations and teaching level ones, uh, that, that I'm working with so much. Like I, I get, I am constantly getting the feedback that they learned a ton and they really enjoyed the experience. And they like, there's, one of the aspects of uh, judging that is that is tough is that you don't get very many opportunities to practice the skills that you learn. You can have a lot of discussions, you can do a lot of, of uh, like book learning and studying things like the rules in the IPG, but there's not a lot of opportunities. I know a few episodes ago you guys were talking about ways people learn, um, and there's not a huge wealth of opportunities for people to actually put into practice the things that they're then mm-hmm. getting the, the touch aspect of, of learning and getting to actually do things. And at a convention, you're often, not only are you doing things um, over and over and over again, not just the four rounds you have at your FNM, but you're getting the, the immediate feedback from people around you and the people that you're working with, the people that you're working for, of what's working, what's not, how can we change it? Let's try it different this round. Let's let's work together to to improve uh, and figure out the best way to do things, and with the hope that you will take what you've learned, go back to your local store, go back to your local judge uh, community, your your conversations, and and help bring uh, the things that you've learned and bring the level uh, experience level of everyone up. As you as the, the weeks and months after the show. I think that's one of the, the reasons we wanted to to sort of talk about this is over the last uh, y- couple years, people have been concerned about opportunities for for L1s to work you know, outside of their community, outside of, with other judges. And I think that that really conventions are are able to fill that role really, really well. I, I agree. I I have seen uh, people make make new friends, make make new uh, connections with both players and judges. Uh, we we try and bring in when we go to a, a larger show, we'll have uh, tons of staff that come in from from hours in many different directions. Right, people that they're now we have judges who've only met on their Slack conversations or on Facebook. And they're getting to interact in, in real life, really the probably the first time, uh, because it's not it, there's not a lot of excuses for them to all be in the same place at the same time, right. uh, because there's a lot of usually there's a lot of hurdles, right? You have to take time out of your out of your life, you have to go travel to this this weird place, and one of the things I know that I when I first started judging and I first started traveling for events, one of the things that I was really excited about was that I got to travel. And meet all these people and learn all of this and kind of get it subsidized by whatever organizer I was working for, right? Because I, you know, go do the thing and I get compensated and I got to learn all this stuff and then I go home and that kind of lowers the barrier for the, your ability to cross pollinate that stuff, right? You get to have all these people come into one spot and and get paid to, you know, do the thing you're supposed to do, run the events, do all that stuff. But really, the opportunity is to to talk to other people, talk to people from out of your local area the the level twos and level threes that that are also there and get to to have access to that experience in a way that you don't get uh anywhere than other than maybe a grand prix but even then it's a very different experience Mm because there's so much else happening at a grand prix i very much enjoy the description of cross-pollination just gotta say (laughs) (laughs) um 
so I have a, a question. Uh, you said sometimes there are level three judges there, uh, and there are always or almost always level two judges running things. Uh, is it judge testing available at conventions? Do you guys have level zeros that come in and sometimes test for L1? Do you ever test people for L2? How does that work in the setting of a convention? Is there even a good place for people to test? Absolutely. We uh, we usually it helps for us to know ahead of time. So if you talk to whoever your your organize your organizer is, whether it be myself or us at Cascade or whatever organizer is running uh, you're working with for your convention and let them know that you're interested. Even if you're not on staff, if you if you happen to be aware um, you're going to this convention and you know that magic is happening and you're really excited, you want to do the show or whatever and be an attendee, but you also are looking for an opportunity uh, to test, you should get a hold of us ahead of time because we want to make sure you know, I personally want to make sure you have all of your requirements in place and everything is good to go. I usually will reach out to either your area captain, if, if that's a thing, or your regional coordinator and make sure make sure that that I'm not just dropping in and testing somebody and being like, all right, bye. Like, I want to make sure that, uh, that you, that you are getting the support, the structure that you need and the support you need after uh, the certification process. But we absolutely will make time for that, right? This I just had I just had the mental image of uh, from the Princess Bride the good luck storm in the castle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so we will we will do anything and everything we can to help the people that are working for us uh, get the most value out of their experience as well, whether that be learning uh, a new way to do some aspect of a tournament or it be a, a certification or t an opportunity to test for the next level of certification. So um, we can't always promise that, that, you know, we don't always have a level three or a level two tester available, but if we know enough ahead of time, sometimes we can, we can take extra steps to make sure that opportunity is available. Right. Right. All right. So let me ask this. How do I know that a convention is looking for judges? Like, uh, like so, yeah, this this one's a little tougher um, because it's it, one of the one of the hardest parts of um, getting the word out about magic conventions is really uh, getting figuring out where the community like who's actually where where the people that are going to be at that show actually looking um to see stuff right where is it the the forms for the convention is it the twitter feed of the, the hashtag for the event uh oftentimes the best way to do that at least for us is to just follow us you know figure out who your us as cascade games figure out who the organizer is for maybe conventions locally or talk to people and and keep track of that but um, uh but a lot of the conventions whether it be us or other people, as long as it's an event, something that is bigger than just like, you know, a comic shop doing a Star City Games IQ or something that that is ha that happens at a lot of really small conventions will utilize judge apps. Um, if you set your notification settings to to ping you every time there's an event in your area, you can change you can change it. So it's only Grand Prix or you can change it. So it's you can uh, all kinds of settings that you can do in there. Um you get a lot more emails that way, but one thing you will do is know when there's these smaller opportunities, these different things that are happening, uh, and especially if what you're doing is trying to find uh, opportunities to judge as a newer L1 or even as an L2 just looking for more experience or looking for opportunities to meet and mentor other people, uh, having those notifications set to see all of the events in your region or in your in your area will, anytime anybody posts anything uh, or puts up an event in your area, you'll get a notification about it. Uh, or you can follow the organizers or follow the convention on Twitter or Facebook. A lot of times the conventions will, will in, in their, you know, string of things they're promoting for their show, they'll go, Hey, look, Cascade games is running magic tournaments. And so if you're, if you're paying attention to it, that's, that's not the most effective way to do it, but that's, that's a solution, but really getting those notifications straight from judge apps, Good. Most of the organizers that are doing stuff at conventions put those things on judge apps because they are looking for magic judges. If for whatever reason it's like an event is not on on judge apps, uh, talk to whatever judges. Like if you if you're if it's a thing that's happening, talk to judges who are working and see what the sitch is. If you know somebody who is going to be working, talk to them, see what's up. 
and and they'll be able to steer steer you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think it really mm-hmm. depends on the event itself and, and who's if, running it. And if all else fails, not every convention, but most conventions that have magic will have will, will first of all be conventions that are happening again next year, and second have magic next year. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times, let's say you didn't get involved, you go to the convention and you're like, oh, I'm, I would have loved to judge at this event. Go talk to the judges and say, how did you get on this event? And they'll be able to tell you and, and you can use that information moving forward. Um, but yeah, I think most of the time, uh, to, to summarize this, I think most of the time you can get on staff for a convention through judge apps uh, by applying through judge apps. Uh, not, I don't know if all conventions are that way, but in the United States, I th- at least, I think most of them are that way. Um, yeah, again, as long as they're doing something that's larger than, than one or two events, right? A lot of times, uh, a smaller, conventions, when I talking about relative size of conventions, we're talking about like small tabletop game show that has maybe 500 to a thousand attendees, right? Something, something very, very small. Well, likely, you know, it's it's just uh, a group of of uh, people that have decided they wanted to do this thing. They rent out a hotel ballroom. They talk to a local store directly, and they get their their judge. Sometimes that 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 kind of thing happens uh, to run one or two small magic tournaments. But anything that is that is uh, a reasonable size, at least as far as that I that's on my radar, um, goes through judge apps. So let me let me ask this. So I'm I'm a judge. You got you got a convention. And hey, I'm interested in going to that convention uh, and want to be a judge. How does it pay compared to uh, compared to a GP? Uh, sure. So the the compensation for judges at conventions is generally not quite what you would find at a Grand Prix. Uh, is and again, every organizer handles compensation very differently, uh, and and. It all is your mileage is going to vary wildly from from event to event or organizer to organizer. But uh, oftentimes the compensation is is designed to entice a more local set of staff people. Right. You were not looking to to compensate enough to cover flights. Uh, we'll likely we will likely be compensating enough for you to cover a shared hotel room with with one or a couple of people, depending on your comfort level around that. Uh, but it's the the economics and the things that happen at conventions, because, you know, the working within the confines of what the show is looking for and having a very uh, much smaller amount of revenue coming in, there's usually not as much of a budget for, for staffing at a convention than at a Grand Prix. Usually we're somewhere around half or a third of what you might make at a Grand Prix, depending on what level you are, or what your experience level is, and stuff like that. So, um, do you get a do you get a badge? I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, I think we <laughs> oh, overlooked it up to this oh, point. Oh, that's true. Um, the, the there are other there are other besides the monetary compensation. Uh, most people that are going to uh, have you work for them are going to have a badge for you, which depending on what show or if, if you're interested in the show, that that has a lot of value in it. So what does that what does that mean? If let, let's say I've never been to a convention and and I want to apply for your your event at PAX, what does a badge mean for me? Well, uh, most of the PAXs sell out very quickly. Uh, so if you're if you're just an attendee, like let's take the 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 judging thing out of it, and, and you look and you want to go to PAX, unless you happen to be on Twitter at like eleven thirty in the morning on the, the Tuesday, the, the stars align. Sale, you happen uh, to. It. Find the greatest coincidence in the whole wide world. Right, uh, you're probably not going to get a badge, uh, or you might. You know, maybe you have a friend who picked up extra badges, or there's lot, there's other ways to source them. But the the uh, official way of getting them, of buying them through the website uh, for large, uh, very popular uh, conventions, they will sell out very very quickly. And so, working at a convention whether it be for magic or for anyone else, depending, because there's lots of opportunities to work at a convention beyond just as a magic judge. Uh, but oftentimes that will come with access to the convention, including the, the badge that you were required to get in. Um, and if you've never been to a convention before, uh, basically it's, it's this plastic thing hangs around your neck and <laughs> it's the magic pendant that allows you to walk through the force field that, 
that all the security guards are keeping all the, the mortals out of this realm. Uh, <laughs> it reminds I, me, you, you, the way I you like just that. described that, that reminds me of a story that happened at this, this last oh, Dragon Con. Oh my god! was there for this. <laughs> we we start walking towards, uh, we were outside, and we start walking towards the venue, and we've all got our badges hanging around our necks, and this, this group of like two or three guys comes up, and they're they're like, oh, hey, guys, what's up? And they start a conversation, and they try to latch onto our group uh, as we're going into the doors to try and, like, sneak around the security guard. Whoa. And the security guard at this at this venue, he was it was clearly not his first rodeo. He was not having it. He was not having it. <laughs> he was, he was just like, like he, he immediately, like, out of our group of, like, seven people or whatever, immediately stops those two guys and is like, hey, you guys, you guys right there, yeah, I need to see your badges. And <laughs> it was amazing. It was so good. Also, it was amazing because, like, we weren't actually interested in, in having these people come with us. They kind of just latched on. Like, yeah, uh, if, if, if that guy had had a badge, I would have spent the next ten minutes trying to figure out how to politely detach myself to to make to make them go away. Well, the only reason that they they tried to do that was because they didn't have a badge. They were trying to sneak in. Because as soon as the security guard stopped them, he was like, "Oh yeah, we're, well we're trying to meet some people. We're meeting some people here." And uh, he's like, "Yeah, you can't come." <laughs> <out."> uh, <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. They got they got blocked. Um, and so the, the badge when he says it's like a magical pennant, it really is. Um, it gets annoying at conventions sometimes with everybody's like, oh, you have to have, show me your badge, show me your badge. But, like, it gets you into areas um, and you get to see things. And when you're working at a convention, as a, as a subtle tip, if you're going to work at the convention, when you find out when your shifts are, take a look at the convention schedule and find out what's happening not during your shift. So you can actually go see stuff. That's, or I'll, I'll take that one, even one further. A lot of times you're... You, you won't find out what your shifts are until relatively close to the show, whether it be the weekend before, sometimes days before, depends on the circumstances, the organizer, all this other stuff. If you and but the schedule for the show, the different panels and different activities and things that are happening usually will come out way ahead of time. Or I shouldn't even say that weeks, a month even that varies from show to show. More uh, ahead of time. <laughs> more ahead of time than your staff schedule might. Uh, and if there's something that you really, really want to go see, you should let the organizer know. Uh, in the same way we want to make sure you're getting value out of your experience the time you're working, uh, I also personally strive to make sure you're getting value out of your experience the time you're not working. Uh, I will happily accommodate giving people, uh, if, if it's in the middle of the day, giving people a lunch break and within the time for them to go do the thing they want to do, or even trying to figure out how to give them you know, the entire day off. Uh, oftentimes, depending on how much uh, staff applies or, or how many we have available, I will try and give as many people as I can uh, a day to explore the show because it's you're at this cool thing and you don't want to be you don't want to be working the whole time. You want to have an opportunity to go experience the thing that you've come and traveled a you know small or long way to get to. Uh, and and your organizer, I hopefully any other organizer as well as us, uh, will do whatever we can to accommodate the things that you're interested in doing as well. I uh, uh, so in addition, don't no. do what I did at Gen Con a couple of years ago, where I volunteer. So Gen Con has the unique situation where they actually run magic all night and. Uh, I I volunteered to do the all night shifts so that I had all day to do stuff at the convention. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that, out that did not work out well. Uh, Maybe overall. if you're like 22. What's that? Or 23. Maybe if you're like 21, 22, that's I, fine. I'm but... not going to tell you how old I was at the time that that happened. But but excited, Jess forgot about the time where you need to sleep. Uh, <laughs> well, so it, that probably would be true. Like I I. I uh, I also had a bad weekend that weekend because uh, I ate some unfortunate con food and, and got food poisoning, uh, which ruined oh. my weekend all around. But uh, but for the first like day, it was great. Uh, and no, I didn't sleep. It was awesome. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, I work uh, Magfest every year, and if if you know what you're like if you look at the schedule and say i really really need to go to like this show uh there was a concert i really wanted to go to and we we made it work i was able to go to my concert and 
everyone else I knew who had a, a time restriction was able to do so. So, so what, what I'm hearing from for compensation is maybe maybe the, the, the monetary side, you know, not so much as, as a GP, but you get a you get this magical piece of paper. Uh, this this Doctor Who psychic paper or whatever that lets you into whatever places that you want um, in addition to uh, uh, your normal work shift so that you can go do things. And this this piece of paper, this badge, may or may not be extremely hard to get your hands on. Your golden and, ticket. And, and even if it's not, it, it might – it is something that is worth, you know, depending on the show, somewhere between – 15 and 60 dollars per day yeah mm-hmm. yeah for for a weekend badge for dragon con to to get to the whole weekend uh i think the badges on site were i think they were 120 or 130 dollars for the oh, it was a three-day show or a four-day show uh it is it is technically a four-day show but really it's a three-day show um the the fourth day is is there's not a whole lot going on the fourth day it's a monday right uh That's true. what's that so Brent? Uh, that's 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 cool. Like I, I really like the idea of hey, I don't have to fight any sort of crowd or any sort of time limit or or anything like that. I just um, apply, write a really good cover letter, convincing a TO why I'm a good fit for his event, his or her event, and and boom, I get I get the badge. I get to go do uh, uh you know one or two of these these seminar things or, or events. Work get some get paid. Sounds like sounds like it's all you know like all upside. So I apply, I get accepted. Now before the con, is there anything that I need to know? Like what's what's going to be expected? Like like pretend that I'm like I'm Joe Random uh, L1, never worked con before. Uh, you know what should I expect? Uh, so ahead of time, you're going to get some amount of communication that'll explain to you, hey. Here's some stuff that you need to know, which uh, and if you don't get this communication, you should probably reach out and find out because there's some some very key things that will be uh, useful for you. Things like how do I obtain my badge? Because uh, oftentimes when you because you're working the show and didn't get your badge through the normal badge process, uh, everyone else who's attending the show will have had their badge sent to them either via email or by in the actual mail uh and so they all arrive with their badge. And if you are stuck outside uh, because the, the oh, place no. where you're working is inside, uh, it can be problematic for you to be able to get to that place. So uh, you should figure out how you're going to actually get inside. Um, you should probably figure out what the expectation is for uh, your dress code, uh, because oftentimes once you're at the show, uh, you don't want to leave, you know, whether because you're excited or because there's lots of people around and it's kind of a pain in the butt to move around in the city that you're in. Um, and so you want to make sure you have the appropriate clothing and things that you need. Um, you should make sure that you just like any other, uh, large magic tournament, uh, or, but if you're unfamiliar, you should make sure you're, you're resting as much as you can. You're hydrating, you're, you're staying, uh, staying and taking care of yourself. And it's almost more important at a convention than at any other type of event, just because you end up talking and interacting and, engaging with people much more often at a convention than you do at a Grand Prix or anywhere else, just because it's not just the magic players that you're, that you're interacting with, but it's other con goers too, who don't have any idea what's happening. And you end up explaining what magic is about 700,000 times, uh, which sounds like it might get, get old or, uh, almost frustrating, but really the, it's, it's an opportunity to share this thing that we all like, with new people who might also then get this spark and be excited by it, or at worst they'll go, that sounds super cool. Thanks for letting me know. And they walk away. Right. Uh, so uh, I want to add um, one thing you should absolutely know, and this should be in that communication that Kyle was talking about. Uh, conventions are big and they're not just all magic and nobody knows where the magic is half the time. So know where in the venue you're supposed to go. Yeah, it's yes. not like you'll just be able to walk in and be like, "Aha, I have found the magic." Right. Uh, there's uh I've been to a number of conventions um where 
you walk in and you're like, all right, I'm just going to find where the magic is. And you look around and you have no idea because you can't see it. And you ask somebody and they go, I don't know. I'm just here with this artist booth. Or I don't know. I'm just here for the X. And they don't know anything about stuff that's not that thing they're here for. Yeah, even even if they work there, there's a lot of, that's not my job. I don't necessarily know. So you should know ahead of time where it is you need to go. And and if you if you don't know before you, you head in... Email. Uh, email is your friend. Yeah, get get a hold of someone, right? If you applied through Judge Apps, the judge manager, you can contact the judge manager through there. You can post on the forms in Judge Apps, which is where a lot of this communication is going to come through anyway. Um, and so you you if you don't find the answer there, you can post and ask the question, or you can email people directly. Um, but but if if the person, the organizer you're working with, uh, doesn't have this information for you, then uh, don't not go right. Like they, they will like, don't just be like, well, they didn't tell me. Don't anything, not so I'm not gonna go. <laughs> uh, but like they, they should get back to you eventually. Right. Like they, there's, I, yeah, I don't want to, if you show up and it takes you an hour to find where you're supposed to be, it's a whole lot better to show up and go, well, I emailed you eight hours ago and nobody responded than it is to say, ah, I, I didn't know where it was. So I didn't find out. Uh, right. The, right. Those totally different perspectives from from the from the sorry for totally different things from oh. the perspective of the person that hired you. Yeah. Uh, oh, the the other thing is the emailing uh, five minutes before your call time, saying something like "I'm going to be a half an hour late." Because yeah, don't do that. Yeah, because you knew. <laughs> I mean, do that if you just found out, but like try to email sooner. Right. Well, here's the thing: if you if you know you were going to be a half an hour late, you knew that you were going to be late. You know, well, a so half Brian, an hour ago. So here's the thing, actually, Brian. That actually might not be true at a convention. Yes. I, this is, I was really? going to say the same thing. Because uh, especially if your shift is, say, two hours after the time you're, the, the show starts, if you decided, I, you know, there's nothing I wanted to see that morning and I wanted to get a little extra sleep, that's great. So I'm going to drive in from my hotel and then spend an hour looking for parking. Uh, and that this happens routinely. Uh, at, at least... Once a day, someone is a half an hour late to yeah. one of our sh- shows because it may, they could it may not even be more stupid than that. It may not be, oh well, you should have thought about parking ahead of time. It might be, you know, I didn't realize that wasn't the badge line. It was actually the right line around the block for the Starbucks, right? Like, yeah, the, the passing like, is the, not necessarily intuitive. There, there, there are lots of reasons, a lot more than normal. Lots of reasons somebody might be late and not know it until a little bit, a little bit beforehand. <laughs> I'm just thinking of insane reasons. It's like I got trapped by a Deadpool conga line. Yes, yes, that I, can yes, happen. This is a thing that happens, right? I I walked into this the room between the outside and where we're at, and this YouTube channel was was doing a flash mob, and I couldn't get around it. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, we almost at, at DragonCon we almost couldn't get into one of the the events we wanted to go into because a line of the Spartans was in our way. That that did happen. Uh, they, like they, the the, the three hundred like was was shields. just going down the stairs at the Hilton downtown in Atlanta, and so somebody's job was to ask them to stop for yes. like to hold for a moment so that, so that we could get to where we needed to be because there's a whole whole group of us that couldn't get to where we needed to be uh because it's just like random you know flash mob of spartans was where where we were supposed to be um and that kind of thing you know obviously that's it's, weird. it's hilarious that I, I was trying to go with something completely absurd and it was <laughs> oh no 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 that happened. it happens <laughs> Uh, conventions conventions have the absurd happen. That's actually one of the things I love about conventions is uh, you were talking about you know, Deadpool. There's so many Deadpools at conventions, uh, and they do crazy stuff, and it's a lot of fun. And I could I could rant at length about uh, the fun stuff that just randomly happens at conventions. But oh, that's man. not not cosplayers. Cosplayers in character might be my favorite thing. That is the best. Uh, we were we were at a uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, this year, we were doing magic as well as uh, events for like uh, Fantasy Flight Games had their Star Wars X-wing Star Wars licensed games. Um, and in our we were so in the Star Wars area, Darth Vader walks in, uh, and is just like he's just talking to people, but totally in character. He's like, 
if you see any rebels. Oh my gosh. Let me know. And, <laughs> and, but it was almost like very sassy Darth Vader. Uh, <laughs> That's and, great. And at one point he fist bumps one of our staff people. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'll do the fist bump and the explosion afterwards. Well, was it a Death Star joke? It was Alderaan. Or, or the explosion, he goes, Alderaan. Oh my <laughs> and then gosh. turns around and walks out. And <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Well, oh, I almost swore. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the movie because some people might still not have seen it. But the last time I was working at a convention, uh, we had somebody as Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy Two who was just in character the whole time, and it, it was it was amazing. Really good. Um, something that we haven't talked about, which may make people think either our show is very timely or not so timely. Uh, uh, Hascon was this past weekend. Um, and I, based on the pictures and the posts people have been making, there were so many, like there was a, 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 a young girl dressed up as Chandra and everyone was so, so excited to get pictures with like, with, with little Chandra. It was awesome. Lots of Jaces as yeah, well. Cosplay, for, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, as I also enjoy cosplaying, I, I love uh, both being around cosplayers and cosplaying. It's great. So if you ever have the opportunity and the desire, go for it. It's fun. Uh, I, but- I, was, I was at a convention. This is in Tallahassee years and years ago. I, I got the person's costume wrong. I thought they were dressed up as a monster from like where the wild things are, but they were really dressed up from some other anime. I, I, I don't remember. But I... I <laughs> I found out that I learned there that oh they don't like it when you get their costume wrong. Oh. That is very <laughs> true. Um, if you if you aren't sure, don't guess. Ask. Well, I was oh, yeah. I, I I learned that. But what I what I wanted to do was I wanted to get them get a picture because they were they were like a beast with like a full mask and everything like that. I wanted to get them a picture of them like rooting around and destroying our deck list box. For the, for the tournament that was going on. So, I mean, I was actually, like, taking pictures, and I was like, give me concerned, give me angry, give me... <laughs> you, know, you know, you just got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. And, you know, That's it was, really funny. It's pretty funny. Just having this big monster, like, put the put the big paw up over their face and, like, ooh. Wow. I got being, being at conventions... Just especially if you're in like if you're there and you're working and you're doing something that whether it's something you do a lot because you work a lot of magic tournaments or you work a lot of other types of stuff, uh, you know, where it's event based stuff or uh, it's your first time. It gives you these always all these crazy, weird opportunities to interact with what you're doing in ways you may not have ever thought. Right. I can't tell you how awesome it was to have someone in a Liliana cosplay drafting during Innistrad at a convention. That's so like, cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and everyone, the like, tons of crowds around watching, like, like having people show up and you can do... get a whole gate watch. Yeah. I, I kid you not. Uh, I drafted once while dressed as Gideon Jura and first picked Gideon in the draft. <laughs> and of course I just showed it to everyone at the table because how am I not going to do that? Right. And, and the next thing I know, everyone – this is Battle for Zendikar, Oath of the Gatewatch drafting. The next thing I know, everybody's just shipping me uh, Gideon-themed cards. The best white so, deck? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I had some real bad cards, too. Like, <laughs> not all of them are good. But I definitely, like – I got to Gideon's Reproach a lot of things while dressed as Gideon. Uh, <laughs> That's so like good. Like, player tried to destroy Target Planeswalker. Uh, on, on you? To on win me. the game? Yeah. At one point, I had Gideon in play. And they, they're they thinking and they're tanking and they're tanking and they go, I'll attack Gideon. And I go, which one? Uh, <laughs> which is a very well, different question today than it would, would have been then. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a rules change we haven't gotten into. I think we'll get into that uh, in the next episode. But um, it's a problem for future us. Yeah, future, yeah. future us. So I got, I got, a, uh, I got and, a question about. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, Brian, I, I, I might put this in the show notes. I haven't decided, but I just sent in our Slack uh, Slack channel a, uh, a picture of minions signing up to play Magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I was about to comment on the minions expression. Then I realized it's locked in that way. Yeah, it doesn't change. They're, they're minions. Um. <laughs> very sad. Uh, anyway, I, I think I interrupted Kyle. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? 
Oh no, Brian. Brian was oh, about to ask. Oh, okay. So, so here, here's the thing. So I'm, I'm super casual. I play a lot of multiplayer, and I hear at conventions there's this thing called Grand Melee. I've never actually <laughs> seen it. Uh, Is that? Do you guys do that, or does someone else insane? Like, 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 basically, I hear about wacky things like I've chaos drafts and stuff like that going on at conventions. What's some of the weird events that you guys do at conventions? I've only ever seen Grand Melee at. Gen Con. I don't know if any they do it anywhere else. Kyle, have you so seen that? So I, I, I know that I've, I have done, I ran Grand Melee events at Gen Con. I've ran Grand Melee events at uh, Grand Prix before. Not one of my Grand Prix. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would never do this thing, but it's a, it's a very, it's a very interesting uh, experience for everyone involved, both or all from in all aspects of organizer, judge, player, everybody. Uh, but you will find that at conventions. Uh, People get a lot more creative with the things that they're doing as far as an event experience, right? Uh, Grand Melee, the thing you you described for people who don't know that you brought up, the people who don't know, basically everyone who enters this event, they'll bring either uh, – it'll either be a sealed deck where, where everybody gets an opportunity to build or it's a standard or even commander or whatever. Uh, and, but everyone plays in one giant game. Uh, and so you, we have to set up your room in a very specific way or, or have everybody around one long row of tables. Uh, and basically there's these turn markers that are spaced, you know, four or five people apart. And that many people are taking their turn all at the same time because like the person in seat one and the person in seat 20 are never going to interact with each other, like not for a very, very long time. Uh, so, so having that person in C20 wait for person in one, two, three, four, five to all, all the way down to take their turn. This is a terrible experience. No one would ever do this more than once. Uh, and so you have lots of people taking their turn at the same time. Uh, and it's a very crazy, lots of like sphere of influence and, and other things that usually don't matter in magic that all come in, <laughs> that all, uh, all matter. Um, oh boy. and it's, ugh, it's crazy. Uh, but there's also like chaos drafts or, uh, where you have packs from all different sets and, you know, either drafting within your pod because it's one pod or if it's a 50 player event and everything's all crazy. Uh, you also like, I will, I, when I'm running these things, will do weird stuff just because it's fun and exciting, right? When you're not necessarily as concerned about the, you know, competitive integrity of the event, you can have a lot more fun with it. Uh, but if you're, if you're judging, you should make sure you are working with the organizer and make sure everyone's, everyone's okay with this. Uh, I don't want anyone to think they should do this on their own, uh, cause you can, you can ruffle some feathers when you start messing with people's expectations around what, what it is an event. Uh, but I have, I have moved people around in pods mid draft, just been like, oh, it's chaos. Ah, things are changing. Uh, like, <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, or, or we, um, at one event, we actually got a like spinny wheel, like the like you would see, uh, almost like a wheel of fortune wheel, but up on its side, like, like a fair see, wheel, like a fair wheel, and we printed out different, basically uh, effects, uh, and every round or a couple times around, we should like, oh, it's time to spin the wheel. Oh, this this round, all creatures have trample. Go, like you get all sorts of crazy stuff happening. Uh, that or the potential for crazy stuff happening. I I yeah I think in general the lack of preconceived notions about what to expect out of a tournament gives a, a convention a lot more room to to do cool stuff like mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. at at a, at a grand prix there's a lot of I know I'm always going to see this sort of event with relatively similar prize structures at a at a convention, it's like we can uh, we can mix it up a little bit. At a Grand Prix, you've always got that player who's like, "Oh, I know how it's always supposed to go. I I know what's up. And if you do it wrong, I'm going to let you know." At a convention, you're just like, "Screw that guy." Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, not not necessarily, right? No, no, I, I know the, the, the conventions are are for for all fans of Magic, right? The Grand Prix <laughs> Grand Prix are are not. It's, no, 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 hold on. Different. Said, screw that guy, not him. Yeah. That guy. I was I was. I was being facetious. Were... Kyle is correct. Yes. Uh, like they, but they do cater to very different audiences. Like the, the Grand Prix are, are much more focused on the competitive player. Although there might be some, some fun, crazy things that happen inside events. Uh, it's really tailored towards not competitive is probably not even the right description. The experienced player. 
uh, someone who generally knows what's going on. And the vast majority of players at the Grand Prix fit that description. There's going to be some outliers. Uh, like anytime you gather a large group of people, there are outliers. Uh, but more often than not, you have an experienced Magic player at a Grand Prix. And so there's some expectations that come along with that. Uh, where at a convention, it's the, the exact opposite. The vast majority of people we have played at conventions have basically never played in a Magic tournament before, right? I ask them for their DCI number, and they go, what's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've, they've played Magic. They have they have cards. They have a standard deck. They still don't know what a DCI number is because they've never actually played at a local store. They've never played. They only know of Magic based on what they've played on uh, you know, their, their iPhone app or what they've seen online and they've played at their kitchen table with friends or they've watched the pro tour uh and they they've seen coverage and stuff like that uh and that's their that's the the full extent of their experience around magic mm-hmm. and so we get to to shake what might be the normal expectation a little bit but in the in the effort to both have them have a, a fun experience but also help them kind of dip their toe in the water and get used to a more structured experience than that what they would have just playing around the kitchen table yeah that's Um, awesome i i think um i think i've gotten to ask all of the questions that i think we need to know uh about conventions but i'm sure there will be a lot more questions that come up uh about convention magic if somebody has a question if somebody's listening to the show and they have a question for you uh is there a way you'd like them to get a hold of you uh or would you prefer they direct that question to us uh, you can a- absolutely get a hold of me personally. Uh, I am. I should figure out what my actual Twitter account is before I say <laughs> like, it out loud. I don't know what uh, my Twitter is. I, I don't I'm, know on, I'm on the tweet bots. Um, <laughs> I, I use Twitter. I just don't ever uh, promote myself. Uh, I am Kyle Knutson, no space, no underscores, nothing, at Kyle Knutson on Twitter. That's a really long username. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. Uh, How can it's in no underscores or spaces? That's is that that's, that's that's so long. No, that's a that's but, a long. But that's okay because I really only want people to tweet me with like sixty characters. Right. So, so okay. If they, if <laughs> when they, they change, they name. actually change Twitter. And when they change it, it may be very sad because there's a lot more characters I have to read now. Conferences? How work? Question mark? Because that's all you got room for. <laughs> that's all that you have space for. Uh, uh, you can also find. You can you can reach out you can get to me through Cascade Games. Uh, I'm Kyle at Cascade Games is my is my work email address. Uh, I would give out my personal email address, but it is more complicated than because uh, I don't care. But it's more complicated than the other <laughs> that's, two. That's uh, uh, CascadeGames.com, I assume. Yeah, okay. Kyle at CascadeGames.com, or you can go to CascadeGames.com, and we have like you can contact us, or you can. It turns out one of the buttons at the top of our website is. Here's the events where we're, we're, we're running. Here's the conventions we're doing <laughs> magic at or any other thing at coming up. And so that's one way that you can find out what we in particular are doing, what shows we're going to. Uh, I think right now we have uh, the show that happened last weekend because we're all very tired and haven't updated the website yet. Uh, but also uh, an event in Denver, a DreamHack uh, convention in Denver and PAX Unplugged. Uh, on our website as far as things we're soliciting for. There's also going to be a bunch more stuff coming up through the end of the year as we lock down events that we're going to uh, so we can, you know, not put up an application for an event we may not actually be at. Uh, <laughs> That's That seems wise. Yeah. Oh. I, I will just say that uh, beyond my capacity uh, at conventions, I uh, am a level two judge. I'm a huge into, like, mentoring and helping people figure out uh, what they want to do in the program and where they need to be. I've, I also, uh, my job beyond or at Cascade Games, you know, one of the things that falls under my purview is to run all of our Grand Prix, uh, at least through the end of the year before we move on to Channel Fireball events. Uh, but so I'm also very familiar with, with events at Grand Prix and I'm connected with other Grand Prix organizers. So if you have any questions about any of that stuff, I'm happy to answer all kinds of questions too. That's awesome. awesome. Thank you. So you're saying you know a lot of stuff. I, I've I've been <laughs> around the block a few times. It's not my first rodeo. Other witty euphemisms. I was gonna say, do we have do we have things. more analogies? Oh man, <laughs> I'm I'm big on analogies. To uh, the Google. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, I want to thank our listeners for uh, listening to episode number 181. I've had fun on this episode, and I hope you have too. Uh, you can subscribe to JudgeCast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, most people get them on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can rate us five stars on iTunes, whether or not you're subscribed. So please do that. Um, you can contact us. Six stars. Six stars if you can. Five out of seven stars. Five out of seven stars. Five out of seven. Yes, five out of seven. Um, contact us at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah, that makes sense. Contact us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. You can check out our full archive of episodes at judgecast.com, uh, as well as the show notes for each episode. Um, to wrap it up, I'd just like to say that I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. And I'm Brogan King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and uh, screw that guy. <laughs> Brian Prilliman and screw that guy. That's 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 possibly my favorite ending ever. <laughs> I, I needed to make sure that I didn't say something like because you you're like I'm just dunks and I keep it blah. I wanted to make sure it's like I'm Brian Prilliman and I screw that guy. Wait, 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 wait. That's slightly different. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs>